This is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, the start of the show, of course, Jeff Diamond, who took the Vikings to an NFC Championship game as a general manager, took the Tennessee Titans to within a uh, foot of winning a Super Bowl as a team president. And Jeff, you and I were talking and prepping for the show, and you were saying that this, you feel like, is the greatest pressure cooker in the NFL, is the preparations for the conference championship games. Yeah, I always felt that way, Jim. I I thought that the conference championship games really rose above the Super Bowl to me in magnitude from a team executive standpoint perspective because a loss in this in this round really denies kind of that dream come true of a Super Bowl trip for your team and it also wastes a, a ton of preparation work that's being done by all the teams this week the four remaining teams the Eagles 49ers Chiefs and Bengals as they get ready for a possible trip to the Super Bowl, there's so much involved that you can't wait until your team qualifies. You've got to do all the prep work this week and uh, talking about things such as getting all your tickets, your ticket lists in order, season ticket plans, or season ticket holder distribution. Uh, You've got every team has at least three and and up to seven or eight or 10 staff members in Phoenix this week for several days of meetings with the NFL staff on, on practice facilities, hotels, meeting rooms, computer video setup, all the activities for the families, press conference arrangements, post-game parties and Super Bowl events such as the commissioner's party. So all those things are being done this week. And when you don't win this game and you don't go to the Super Bowl, it is such a downer. And and I've been there. I, I did that, all that prep work back in 1987 when, when, when we had that great run, beat the Saints, beat the 49ers on the road with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Bill Walsh, Ronnie Lott. And then we got beat in Washington on the last play of the game. And the same thing happened, of course, the infamous 98 championship game against Atlanta where we had everything done, everything prepared and thinking this is our year to go back to the Super Bowl for the first time. And since 1976 and was of course not to be in the infamous game, the Gary Anderson missed kick and so forth. So fortunately I was able to go to two Super Bowls and we did all the prep work the next year when I was with the Titans and we did go to the Super Bowl, but then in 2002, we got beaten the championship game by the Raiders. It, it's just really a such a, as I said, such a downer to lose that particular game. And so I can certainly empathize with the teams that get beat this week and feel <clears throat> very happy for the teams that win. And I, and I do think it's going to be two great championship games. I think the good news for the Vikings this week, Jim, is that they can perhaps feel a little better knowing that the NFL's four best teams are remaining. And I I really believe that. I think Cincinnati was better than Buffalo, even though I I think we might have picked Buffalo, but that was kind of a a shaky pick to begin with. We knew it was going to be a close game. And maybe we did pick Joe Burrow because we both like Joe Burrow so much. I can't remember what we did last week. But anyway, I I think these are the four best teams remaining. That Philadelphia-San Francisco game is going to be just a – great game slugfest with the two best defenses in the league and and of course Cincinnati and Kansas City I think it has the two best quarterbacks in the league and to me 
Joe Burrow is gaining ground on Patrick Mahomes very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, and it's good that we're talking here on Thursday morning. It's a good thing that Patrick Mahomes is practicing this week and practicing in full, but he's he won't be 100%. He just won't. It'll just be really interesting to see how that plays out. I'll let you know this is Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. This is part of TalkNorth.com. You can also find the Viking Update show at TalkNorth.com. Tons of hockey shows, Cheryl Reeve. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal. Check out the Chin Music Show. Twins are going to be fascinating this year, and we have the best baseball show in town. Uh, so check everything out at TalkNorth.com. Best way to listen to any show you like, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. Thank you to our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Thanks also to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. All right, let's uh, – so you know, we could talk about the defensive coordinators. We could talk about how they handle their own – uh, free agents, how they handle their own players they're going to want to restructure or or reduce the salary cap hit from. Uh, so how does a general manager start organizing the offseason at this point? I think the, the roadmap for Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Menza is pretty clear. And certainly it starts with improving the 31st ranked defense as the top priority. And that starts with O'Connell hiring the best possible defensive coordinator, whether it's it's Sean Desai coming from Seattle, whether it's Ryan Nielsen from New Orleans, Brian Flores from the from the Steelers. They interviewed Mike Patton, uh, who was on the staff last year. I, I don't expect them to go that direction. I think they, they want to make a change, do something fairly significant, whether it, it remains to be seen if they, they stick with the 3-4 scheme or go back to a 4-3. We'll see about that. But So certainly hiring that defensive coordinator, that's first priority. And then taking a look at what they do personnel-wise on defense and who they retain. They got they have tough decisions to make to get the salary cap in order. They have to trim anywhere from reportedly something like $13 million to $28 million, somewhere in between there. So they've got some work to do. But I think it, that's going to be fairly easily accomplished by, first of all, extending Kirk Cousins, which is going to happen. And with a, an extension and a little bit of a restructure, they can save off his $36 million cap number. They can get it down probably to 15 to $20 million, depending how they structure it. So they'll save about 15 to $20 million on, on, his, on, on the cap there. They can easily cut a Jordan Hicks, save $5 million. We'll remains to be seen what they do with Dalvin Cook. They can save eight seven point nine million dollars by cutting or trading him and then spend some of that money on keeping Alexander Madison. I'm not convinced they're gonna do that. We'll see about that. And then I think there'll be several restructures, guys like Brian O'Neill. Adam Thielen, I think will be restructured. I think Harrison Smith will be restructured a little bit. Zadarius Smith is one of the really interesting guys to me, Jim, that Quasi is going to have to figure out what he wants to do on that because he has such a great first half of the season with nine and a half sacks through 10 games. And in the last eight games, he had a half a sack as he dealt with that knee injury and just lack of production, which really hurt them, obviously, in the playoff game and down the stretch. So they can save 13.6 million bucks by by cutting or, or trading Zadaria Smith, I don't know. Maybe they can get a restructure, get his number down, bring him back, 
at a, at a lower number and build in more play time so that, that he's fully compensated if he's on the field. I think if, if he's right, he's really valuable. And they still have to figure out what they're going to do with the Neil Hunter contract-wise and, and get that situation figured out. So there, there's a big to-do list, certainly. And at the top of that to-do list, obviously, is Justin Jefferson's extension, which is going to affect everything, too. But that's a little bit of a situation that's not as devastating to the salary cap as some people automatically assume, well, Justin's getting a $30 million plus a year extension. Well, that's not going to be what his cap number is year one because they'll give him a big signing bonus and they can probably get his cap number in the $15 million range, which is certainly doable for for uh, a guy of his magnitude, an all-pro player. And so I think that'll help. And that can, I think, between all these moves, they'll free up enough money to be able to bring back guys like Greg Joseph. Perhaps Dalvin Tomlinson is an important free agent. Irv Smith Jr. is an interesting guy to me. If he is affordable, and I don't know that anybody's going to bid him up really high based on his a little bit of injury history plus a little bit of lack of productivity. He's a talented guy, but I mean, maybe a Stefanski or somebody in Cleveland might think, yeah, I want Irv as my second tight end. I'll pay him eight to 10 million bucks a year. I'm not sure I see that happening. So maybe Irv Smith Jr. comes back and makes a nice pairing with TJ Hawkinson, which would be a a bonus for for the Vikings. But there there are going to be some changes. We know that guys like Shandon Sullivan, free agent, should not be re-signed. He just didn't play well enough. They they have to figure out what to do with Garrett Bradbury. Played better than he'd had in the past before his back injury, injury, but then he had trouble in the playoff game. And so if he's not too pricey, he's a guy that, that they probably will want to bring back, but we'll see about that. So meanwhile, obviously get ready for the draft. They got the 24th pick in the first round. A lot of stuff to, that's going to happen very quickly here in this offseason, starting in February, with these salary cap maneuvers, restructures, players released, extensions for Cousins, perhaps for Jefferson. That may take a little more time. So it's a big to-do list, definitely, for for uh, for Quasi and Kevin. Let's talk about the four general managers. I'm sure you've studied the way general managers build their teams. Let's talk about the four general managers in the final four in the NFL. Uh, very interesting observations. You're going to hear from Jeff on that. Then we're going to get to the conference championship games, our analysis and our picks. Thanks for listening. Once again, we do appreciate it, but first let's thank our longtime sponsor, white bear Lake superstore, white bear Lake superstore.com. Yeah. Thanks Jim. Always excited to talk about the white bear Lake superstore Buick GMC and my longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guterell, and their great staff are Minnesota's number one volume, Buick GMC dealers, six years running with the best selection and their super friendly premium team. Check out their great, great website, whitebearlakesuperstore.com. You'll see 2.9% APR on all GMC Sierra 1500s, 3.9% APR on Buick SUV models, 3.9% APR plus a $750 purchase allowance on GMC Terrains, and no monthly payments for 90 days on all these great vehicles. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 Van Superstore. 
They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. And thanks also to longtime sponsor, Platinum Bank. Platinum Bank, our great sponsor. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market, partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch. To learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business, visit www.platinumbankmn.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream. Appreciate everybody sponsors or listens to the program and the network. Thanks very much. So tell me about your observations on these four general managers and how they built these teams. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Jim. The They all come from very different backgrounds and quite the mix. You've got John Lynch of the 49ers who started his career as a player, became a broadcaster, had no front office experience, when he joined Kyle, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And, of course, John's done a great job building this 49er team. They've been in the playoffs for the last five years, and and he has helped bring in guys like Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Debo Samuel, through the draft, Christian McCaffrey via trade. So even without that front office experience, he certainly has been close to the game as a Hall of Fame player and as a, as a broadcaster for many years. But a different, shall we say, background compared to what the recent history of a lot of GMs come from the scouting area, from player personnel directors and so forth. Then you've got Brett Veach in Kansas City, who kind of came from that scouting background, but actually started as a coach's assistant uh, with Andy Reid. Howie Roseman has more of the administrative background, kind of similar to my experience, that he he started with the Eagles. He was an attorney, came to the Eagles as a salary cap intern (laughs) to start his career, and kind of went up and down and survived the Chip Kelly years in in, uh, Philadelphia and then hired Doug Peterson, won a Super Bowl, and now, of course, with Nick Sirianni. And and Howie has, has done a, a terrific job bringing in so many excellent draft picks, kind of under the radar guys. Jalen Hurts, a prime example, a second-round pick. Miles Sanders, their great running back, second-round pick, both pro bowlers. And then you've got guys that he's made trades for. A.J. Brown, probably, along with the Tyreek Hill deal, the t- trades of the year in the NFL – I guess you throw McCaffrey into that equation, perhaps, but A.J. Brown that they got from the Titans and Darius Slay was a, a pickup back by via uh, the free agent market. Uh, also, Hassan Reddick, 16 sacks this year, James Bradbury. So, Holly Roseman's done a great job. Uh, I mentioned Brett Veach and, and what they've built in Kansas City. 
with his work with Andy Reid. Now, perhaps Andy Reid has more of the authority in Kansas City as he had in Philadelphia, but Veach has still done a lot of good work in the scouting area. And then you've got Mike Brown, who really plays the role of, of general manager in Cincinnati, and he's the owner, the son of Paul Brown, the founder and, and owner, former owner of, of the the Bengals. Mike, Mike took over when his dad passed away, and Mike has had his ups and downs with, with, the, with the Bengals franchise, and they've been accused of not spending enough money, and kind of similar to what the Twins have gone through, perhaps, in their history, but Mike Brown has built a powerhouse there in Cincinnati. And then, then again, it doesn't hurt to get the number one pick in the draft and be able to draft Joe Burrow and then have a, a top five pick and get, and get, uh, get, get a, a fantastic receiver in Jamar Chase. That's helped bring, build the Bengals to where they are right now, where they went to the Super Bowl last year, got beat. But I think this year they could be going back again. So I think it's really kind of a, what do we call it, an eclectic mix that's a good way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's one thing I've been, you know, I do a lot of radio hits around the state and people ask me who they hire as defensive coordinator and what the resumes are like. And I always point out, you know, you never know where the next great general manager or great coach is going to come from. I mean, Mike Tomlin had a very thin resume. He came here. He was a defensive coordinator on a team that went six and 10. He interviews with the, for the Steelers job. He gets it and he ends up being one of the best head coaches in the league for a long time. Nobody could have seen that coming. You just don't know where the next – so, you know, I, I like some of the names on their defensive coordinator list. I, I'd love to see him hire Brian Flores. But there's probably somebody out there I've never heard of who would be a great coordinator. Yeah, and, and that's the challenge for uh, Kevin O'Connell, who obviously will be the guy making the, the, the major call on this hire, <clears throat> that he's got to find the right guy to, to mesh with his philosophy – on the game and, and how he wants to approach it. And I'm sure he's looking for a more aggressive type coordinator than what Ed Donatel gave them last year with, with very few blitzes and started blitzing a little more as the season went on, but just too many issues on that defense last year. And, and as, as we've talked about, of course, a lot of it was personnel related. So they've also got to upgrade the personnel and that starts with your your 2022 draft class, where they got very little production, especially from the defensive guys, when Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth Jr., and, and Caleb Evans were all on IR at the end of the year. They could have made a big difference in that secondary, and I think they will next year. Yeah, and that'll be what'll be interesting is you'll have a new defensive coordinator, and you will have a team. In, I'm sure intent on using draft capital this year to upgrade the defense and you'll have your first and second round picks you know, getting into the mix. Uh, uh, you have to assume they'd be, they're both going to be healthy uh, going into the next season. So the, you know, the great thing about the NFL is you can turn things, you can turn units around very quickly. You can turn teams around very quickly. If you draft well, if you make good decisions for agency and if you have the right coaches. Yeah. And I think all that's true and they don't have to be, a top five defense when you've already got a top seven offense, you can win big in this league with a top 15 defense, just being the top half of the league that the chiefs are number 11 ranked. The Bengals are number 16, but they've got the number one and number eight offenses in the league. So if the Vikings can just get to 
average on defense, be number 15 or 16, I think they could they could be a, a Final Four team with this offense, and especially when the offense is healthy on the offensive line and gets guys like Ed Ingram in their second season, he'll be better. Get Brian O'Neill back. That was a huge loss at the end of the season. And if they can re-sign Bradbury or find another quality center out there, Darisaw may have been the most improved player on the team this year at left tackle. So it's not that, as you said, not that big a stretch to think you get back last year's draft class and you mentioned the top two guys and then add a Caleb Evans in there, who I thought played pretty well when he was in there, the number four pick. And then you draft this year. And and I, I would, I would draft a corner in the first round if there's a quality corner and that's the best player potentially available at number 24 take a first round corner because as Mike Zimmer always said you can't have enough of them (laughs) and you don't want to have have to be playing guys like Shandon Sullivan Duke Shelley he he gave it his all and he made some really good plays but they still picked on him this season and even Patrick Peterson he he was kind of up and down and gave up a couple touchdowns in the last game I th- I still think he can play, but he needs help, uh, safety help, and and some help over the top because he is he's still a guy with with savvy and had five interceptions and made big plays as he did in the Buffalo game. I think Patrick's worth keeping at the right price, but they need young blood in that secondary that's that are quality players that they can work with, and I think that's going to be the goal. So I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if. They, if they take a corner in the first round. No, that's, that sounds very rational. We'll t- of course be talking about the draft and offseason moves as we go forward here. We do the show year-round, and we appreciate you listening. Uh, for today, let's talk about the two games, and let's make a pick, as silly as picks are. Uh, last week, I think I said I'd love Burrow, but I had to take the Bills at home, uh, and of course I was wrong. I and, and one of the reasons I was wrong, Jeff, is that Joe Burrow played with a beat-up off, you know, a, a really battered offensive line, and he made it look like the offensive line winner problem. He just gets rid of the ball so quickly, he makes decisions so quickly. Uh, what a player, man. He, he's terrific, and as I said before, uh, to me, he's moved up to number two in the quarterback pecking order, and I think he's pushing Patrick, Patrick Mahomes for the top spot. He, he was outstanding last week in Buffalo with his quick passing in a snow snowstorm. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was incredible. As you said, missing three starting offensive linemen. I don't know if he's going to get any of those guys back. I presume maybe he'll get one of them back or two, but yet he throws for almost 250 yards, a couple touchdowns, no turnovers. And then he runs for 31 yards. In addition, outplays Josh Allen in the game. The Bengals have won 10 straight. And he's 3-0 and against Mahomes and the Chiefs, including last year's AFC title game. And this year, in Week 13, I think it was, both by a 27-24 score, by the way, both those games. So I got to go with Burrow and the Bengals, partially because, as you said, Mahomes playing on that, on that battered ankle, I, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to run. That, that's a big part of his game, too, being able to scramble, make some plays on the ground. We'll see if he's got any mobility, but I like the Bengals in this game. I think their defense is also underrated. I'm everything you said. I agree with. I 
I just think that the Bengals are the better team right now. I think Mahomes did great work winning close games during the regular season, surviving the loss of Tyreek Hill, using a lot of, you know, random parts at running back and wide receiver. Uh, but I just think the Bengals are better, and I also think the Bengals are playing better right now. Uh, so I will also take the Bengals. Now 49ers at Eagles. Um, fascinating matchup. Two great rosters, two great defenses, uh, two, you know, quarterbacks who have overachieved. Uh, and and Hurts, you know, was kind of probably the leading MVP candidate until he got hurt. Purdy has probably played more efficiently than any other quarterback since he took the starting job. What do you see here? I, I see a great game, and I don't think it's going to be a real high-scoring game because these are the two best defenses in the league, and it'll be a big challenge for them to to slow down two top-five offenses, too. A lot of offensive talent uh, from both of these teams. The, the 49ers' defense, I just think, is just a notch above Philly, even though the Eagles have a, a ton of talent. And they did a great job against Dak Prescott and, and the Cowboys rushing game, holding them to 76 yards. Brock Purdy, he's certainly being managed well by, by Kyle Shanahan. Didn't turn it over. Won his seventh straight start. He's playing with confidence. San Francisco's won 12 in a row. I, I think the 49ers win a close game. I, I think their defense can do enough to contain Hurts and that Eagles offense, and I think the 49ers offense will do just enough to win. I think Brock Purdy will have a, have a tough goal against this Eagles defense that's very talented and, and has really a couple of, of, of great, great corners um, in Bradbury and Slay. It's going to be, I think, a really fun game to watch. I think both these games are going to be fun to watch. Robbie Gold may be the, kind of the tipping point for me. The guy has never missed a field goal in in his playoff career. <laughs> 29 to 29 field goals, 38 to 38 PATs, made all five of his kicks in the win against Dallas. Kind of reminds me of Gary Anderson. <laughs> I yeah, hate to say, I knew you were going to say that. I hate to jinx Robbie Gold, but I, I see him kicking the winning field goal in this game. I think San Francisco wins by three. What do you think, Jim? I think it's going to be a close game. I think you're going – I have a hunch you may go with the Eagles. You're correct. Uh, I just think that uh, the 49ers are pretty banged up coming off a very physical game, flying across the country. And I know Purdy's played great. I don't think he's had to deal with something like the Eagles defense in the Eagles stadium. I, I think this is the rare game where home field advantage will make a difference. Uh, and I think the fact that the Eagles are a little more rested, they had the bye week, uh, the fact they're not having to fly around. I, I just like that team being a little fresher and being able to run the ball and stressing Purdy out. And I think the I think the Eagles win a close one. Yeah, I think they'll both be, as we said, very exciting games, fun games to watch. And and as I said, I feel for the losers. <laughs> because yeah. This is the most excruciating game to lose. I saw it in 98 with the Vikings against Atlanta. But it, it's a great game to win when, when you go on to the Super Bowl. And it, it's going to be, as I said, very exciting to see how this all plays out this week. Good stuff, Jeff. Thank you. We appreciate our producer, Brandon Morton, our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Uh, please, if you can, if you need that kind of help, if you're looking for a new car, if you're, uh, if you're looking for a, a really helpful bank, check out White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Uh, for Jeff, this is Jim Suhan, and we will talk to you next week.